God for the grace of God that's there to lift us back up, to help us, because there's not a person in this room here that hasn't missed it at some point, right? I think about Peter when he walked on the water and then he got his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. I need help right now. I'm drowning, you know? Jesus could have looked at him and said, well, this will teach you a lesson. You doubted me, didn't you? (laughs) So let's just see what happens here, you know? But even when Peter missed it, Jesus in his love and his mercy reached down and pulled him up. Hallelujah. And you know what? He will do the same thing with you and with me. Because sometimes we feel like we're sinking. Sometimes we feel like we've got one nostril above the water. (laughs) Have you ever been there? Oh, my. But I'll tell you, God's love and God's mercy is with us. Now, what I would like to talk about, if you're writing a title down today, starting, I'm going to talk about unlimited possibilities. Unlimited possibilities. Can we say that together? Unlimited Unlimited possibilities. When we came to Jesus Christ, we came out of Adam. All of us came from Adam. How many of you know that? If you go back upstream, we all came from there. Okay? The whole human race. All of us originated from Adam. Okay? Our DNA goes way back to the Garden of Eden. Because we came out of Adam, and I said this at a funeral the other night. We preached a funeral for uh, Lisa's uh, brother passed away. He was a Christian. And they asked me to do the funeral. And I talked about at the end there, and I believe a lot of people gave their hearts to the Lord. I really do. It was just a marvelous thing. Praise God. You know, the funerals are really not for the person that's passed away. It's for the people that are there. Amen. And what we like to see is the opportunity. And, and you know, because a lot of times you would get people in a situation like that that you wouldn't anywhere else that may not set foot in a church, but they'll go to a funeral. But it's there that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said this. I said, you know, the whole human race is contaminated with the disease. And you could see their eyes open up like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, that disease is called sin. And, you know, they got that. And I said, I said and the, the problem is, is man can't cure himself. Religion tries to work its way to God. But that's the whole story of Jesus Christ came down. He paid the penalty. He was a perfect man. Amen. Amen. And he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. And if we receive him, then we can receive mercy and grace. And I believe a handful of people that night gave their We prayed with everybody in that room. To give their heart to the Lord. Amen. And so, uh, but what I want us to do today is I want us to identify ourselves with, you know, uh, that we're not in Adam anymore. We were, but now we're in Christ. Now, with that thought of mine, go to Romans, Romans chapter 5, with the thought in mind that these two men, the Bible's really about two men, about Adam, Jesus. What the devil did in Adam, what God did in Jesus. Both of them made choices. Both of them made decisions. But the grace of God that was on Jesus is far greater than Satan's work in Adam. Oh, I'm so glad for that. Amen. Now, in Romans chapter 5, we see this same thought pattern. Paul, again, wrote Corinthians, but he also wrote Romans as well by the Spirit of God. In verse 17, for if by one man's offense, now who would that be? Adam. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more... They which receive the abundance of grace, and notice this, the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, this is so powerful here because it was the disobedience of one man that death reigned by what? Adam. His disobedience, but by the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, it says righteousness it's, they shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Both, made, both, both of these individuals made choices. They affected the whole human race. All right? Now, when you get born again, when you come to Jesus Christ, I used to think before I knew, when I was a young boy, I got saved in 1976 in a youth camp. You know my testimony. And uh, about the only thing that I knew was that my sins were forgiven. Okay, now that's a big deal. That is really a big deal. I felt like a weight come off of me. Oh, you know, I I didn't totally understand it, but somebody prayed with me, and thank God they did. 
you know. But at first I argued with them because as they shared with me, I, I thought, well, I've, I go to church, never done, you know, didn't break all the commandments. <laughs> but the Bible says if you've kept all the commandments and break in just one point, you miss it, you're guilty of all. So we're all guilty, you know what I'm saying? But I remember that beautiful, glorious day on May, the weekend of May 1976, the, the bicentennial year, Memorial Day weekend, gave my heart to Jesus. Got a picture of it right on my camera, right where I at the spot, praise God. And I look at that spot, so that's where I made Jesus the Lord of my life. And, uh, but here, my, my understanding was so limited because I thought, well, I know that my sins are forgiven, but the part that I didn't know was what we're about to get into today, that God didn't just forgive my sins. He literally moved on the inside of me. When, when you made Christ with Jesus, the Lord of your life, your sins were wiped out, but he put his spirit on the inside of you. And that's why the Bible says in three different places, in Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Say, my body is God's temple. Amen. And so this will totally change, radically change the way that you think. Amen. Now we live in a day, and in the, I would say in the last 20, 25, 30 years, something like that, we, we, we have these super creatures, you know, like Superman and Spider-Man and, you know, what are some others? There's a lot of different superheroes that are out there. What am I missing here? There's, I know there's a whole bunch of other ones. Captain America. Who else, Kelly? Who else is there? Come on. You, come on now. Superheroes, right? And, uh, you know, back, now back when I was growing up, it was Popeye. <laughs> Anybody remember Popeye? <laughs> you know? And I thought, and I got pictures of it. You ought to see these pictures, you know? And I thought, I said, Mom, I said, get me some of that spinach. <laughs> Now, I didn't know it tasted that bad in a can. It was like, then I'm thinking, now as a little kid, that's the way you think. If, if I eat what he ate, I'll become like he became. Okay? So I would get rags and stuff. And I was the skinniest person you could imagine when I was young. Now you've got to look at me by faith, okay? But when I was young, I was so thin. You, if I stood sideways, you'd probably disappear. You know what I'm saying? But I would get like these rags and stuff them up my thing like muscles. You know what I'm saying? I'd call them muscles. That's what he called them, right? And, uh, but that was, I wanted to become like that in my imagination, you know, and I think deep down in everybody's heart, you want to be a superhuman being on the inside. Everybody has a dream of flying and jumping and do whatever, you know what I'm saying? But here's the, 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 the most powerful thing and the truth of the matter is they're all fictional. The truth is when Jesus comes into your heart and makes in your body, you become a superhuman being that never existed before. Greater than Superman. Leaps tall buildings in a single bound. And I'm not, I'm not just kidding. I'm serious. You are a superhuman being. And the scriptures, now the devil has tried for years to obscure the truth of who we are in Christ. And that's basically what I want to talk about today. Because when you see who you are in Christ and what you have and what belongs to you, it's all because of Jesus. It's not, we're not bragging on ourselves. We're looking at what Jesus did for us. There is nothing more impossible to you. I know that all of us here from time to time, we face seemingly, and I say, quote, seemingly impossible situations that we face. And we look at them and say, that looks pretty big. But then we stop and we analyze it. And wait a minute. If it's just me facing that, then there's a problem. But the, here's, the, here's the issue. There's not some, I'm not just standing there alone. I've got somebody on the inside of me that's conquered every mountain you can ever think of, and his name is Jesus. And if we look to him, and we see him, and we look to him, things can become so much greater. Amen? Amen. Sometimes the, the Lord, I remember years ago when I was facing a situation, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said many years, about 35 years ago, he said, if you saw this thing from now, I didn't hear it with these ears. I heard it inside my heart like you hear him too. And the Lord said, Keith, if you could see this thing from my vantage point, from my viewpoint, this thing wouldn't look so bad after all. Amen? 
And I got a, I got a, what happened was is I got a letter from the IRS that said that I made a mistake on my taxes. <laughs> Someone said if the devil can't scare you, the IRS will. Yes. You know. But, uh, you know, and they, I owed them uh, roughly $10,000, okay? Now, that was, back in those days, that was almost my whole entire year salary, okay? And, you know, you get that official letter with that insignia on there and all this kind of stuff in it. That... Oh, man, it troubled me. You know, I'm thinking, what is wrong? What did, where did I mess up here? Did my tax man fail or what happened here, you know? So uh, long story short, I, I was really concerned about it. I was really worried about it. I was fretting about it. And I know I'm not supposed to worry. Now I'm an assistant pastor in a ministry in the state of Texas at this time. And I'm telling you, I'm, fear is hitting me. Worry is hitting me. Isn't that right, Lynn? Whew, man, it was eating me up, you know? And the Spirit of God, I was driving down I-35 in Texas, in central Texas, and the Spirit of God spoke to me in my little car, my little red car. And he says, he says, son, if you saw this from my viewpoint, things wouldn't look so bad after all. I hurried up and pulled the car over on the side of the road, right over in the, right, right on the side. The cars are flying right past me. I said, Holy Spirit, say that to me again. He said, if you saw this situation, I knew what he was talking about from my vantage point, this thing wouldn't look so bad after all. And I almost, sometimes you can, without seeing God, you can hear him laugh. I heard him like laugh, like a chuckle. <laughs> you know, the Bible says God sits on the throne and he laughs at the enemy because he sees his day approaching. Amen. Now, if God can laugh at the devil, so can we. Because it's a sign of victory. Amen. The devil's under our feet. He's been defeated. He has no feet. <laughs> He's under our feet. And we have to let him know in no uncertain terms that you are under our feet. You're not going to run over me with the sickness and disease and oppression and, and, and poverty and all this stuff. You're not going to run over me anymore, Satan. And so fast forward a little bit from that point, you know, uh, I decided I'm going to just trust the Lord in this situation. And it took an entire year for that thing to get resolved. In fact, I had already moved back to Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. And uh, I got a letter from the IRS again. You know, and I didn't want to open it up, but I opened it up. And it said, uh, uh, we apologize, but uh, our records indicate that we had made a mistake. And, and, uh, and actually, they owed me money. <laughs> now... It wasn't a whole lot, but it sure do beat owing $10,000 to the IRS. Amen. But, uh, now, I, I, I've shared that from time to time, but the reason I, the reason I say that is because uh, obviously God knew the outcome. He knew the situation. <clears throat> I was just limited by what I could see and, and so forth with the IRS, you know. And I mean to tell you, I mean... Did you ever have cares just hitting you constantly? You're like, man, you're getting your shower, you're getting up in the morning, you go to bed at night, and bam, bam, and those negative thoughts are hitting your mind? Well, what is that? Is that just you? No. That's how Satan attacks us is through thoughts. That's his main weapon of thoughts, impressions, imaginations, negative. And how do you say, well, how do you know when the devil's talking to you if you're afraid? If you feel fear... Anxiety, worry, that's the enemy trying to communicate to you. That's what he does. Okay? But on the same token, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ wants to talk to us, wants to commune with us, and he will commune with us. Amen? So, again, we're, we're talking about unlimited possibilities when you're in Christ. The whole Bible is about two men, Adam and Jesus. What the devil did in Adam and what God did in Jesus. Now, how many of you here have made Jesus the Lord of your life? Okay. You are a superhuman being. You're a superhero because the hero lives on the inside of you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Greater is he, 1 John 4, 4, that is in you than he that is in the world. Not the lesser one, the greater one. And sometimes you've got to open your mouth and you've got to say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And when, when, when adversity is coming against you, we all experience that, okay? And I've seen situations. I've, I've faced situations that most people die from twice in my life. 
They check out. They're gone. You know what I'm saying? But, but I know with all my heart that the greater one is, is in me and he's greater than sickness. He's greater than disease. Amen? And if you loose the greater one, if you let the greater one out, he will cause you to triumph in every situation. Now again, in Romans chapter 5, we see for by, the, for by one man's disobedience, offense, death reign. That's Adam. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace. Notice this, the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Now the Amplified says, reign like a king in this life. Amen? So when I was, right after I got saved, I got into a church, you know, and we would sing songs in this AG church that I was a part of at the time, and we'd sing songs about when we all get to heaven, we'll sing and shout the victory and all this kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, but it gave the impression that our victory is for the future, for heaven and the sweet by and by. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, God wants you and me to overcome in this earth now while we're here. Praise God. It doesn't take any faith to realize when we get to heaven, the crooked places are going to be made straight. (laughs) Things are going to work out. We're in heaven. But Jesus said this. He says, pray that the will of God be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Is there any sickness and disease in heaven? When you picture Jesus, do you see him broke, Busted, disgusted, sick, lame. It's hard. You can't even fathom that, right? When you picture Jesus in heaven, he's, he's whole, he's strong, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, the Bible says in 1 John, as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. Now, I know of a lady that, I don't know her personally, but she got divinely healed. The pastor was teaching out of that scripture, as he is, so are we in this world. She had a terminal disease. Had weeks to live, weeks, not months, weeks to live. And as the pastor was preaching over in Korea, pastor was sharing that scripture in First John, as Jesus is, so are we in this earth. And she asked herself the question right while he's preaching. You know the Holy Spirit should be active when we're preaching the word. I'll be, I'll be saying things to you, but at the same time the Holy Ghost is right there next to you, talking to you, speaking to you, giving you revelation. Praise the Lord. And she thought, okay, well, how is Jesus? Is he sick? No. Is he well? Yes. And she started pondering that and thinking about that scripture. And she, start, she started saying with her mouth. That's how you decree and declare things with your mouth. Amen. And uh, she says, well, Jesus isn't sick. He doesn't have disease. So as he is, so am I in this earth, in Korea. Glory be to God. Well, in the final analysis, well, she went back to the doctor and they gave her a clean bill of health. She didn't have to have any surgery, nothing. She was totally made whole. Amen. Now, did that just magically happen? No. It happened. The Bible says grace and peace are multiplied to us through the knowledge of God's Word. Hosea 4, 6, God says, My people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. When we don't have the right kind of knowledge, it can hurt us. But when you have the right knowledge, it will help you. I remember many years ago, I took my first airplane ride, you know, and I was really young. And it was a a friend of ours was a a pilot, small twin-engine plane. And and so uh, he asked me if I wanted to go up with him. I thought, that would be great. I've never flown before. This is really good. I was kind of a shelter boy growing up, you know. I didn't fly or anything, you know. And, um, and so we get out there on the runway. It was just me and him. They gave him clearance to take off. I thought, I'm so excited about this, you know. And we got into that little airplane. Actually, this plane was a single-engine plane. The first one was. And so the, the doors, it's not like a car door where you just pull it shut. Like it, it goes up, like a Ferrari, you know what I'm saying? It goes up. And you pull it down, then you latch it, you lock it, you know. Well, evidently, I didn't, I didn't lock it the full way I thought it was but it wasn't fully locked <laughs> now you know where I'm going with this one you know and so he, he starts the airplane up that thing is just rumbling ready to take off you know and we get down to the runway you know and this is in a small town Colleen Texas to be exact and they still had that private airport that's there 
And at the end of the airport, there's a, there's a big pasture and all a bunch of cows, a bunch of bovines. I mean, they're everywhere, you know. And so he gets clearance. He puts the, the throttle down. We start going down the runway, and we're about to take off, and my door flies open. <laughs> the suction just went whoosh. And I, and, and I was like, you know, when something happens that quick, you've got to be like, what is going on? So he hurried up, pulled back the throttle, and thank God we had enough runway to get right, right to the edge where, I mean, where the grass is, the tall grass where the cows were, and we're looking at cows. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know why he didn't check the door for me. I, who knows? But I praise God I was okay. So we go back, make sure everything's intact. We do the same thing again, and this time everything's good. We take off. And, I'm, and it's just so amazing. The first, do you ever remember the first time he flew? And I'm looking down. I mean, it looks like little toys down there, little cows. You know what I'm saying? And we got up there. We're flying from Colleen, Texas to Houston, Texas. Okay? He's going to pick a client up down there. And I'm, I'm just enjoying the ride. And all of a sudden, I had this thought. What if he passes out while we're flying here? Okay? I had this thought come to me. And all of a sudden, fear hit me like, and I know how to steer the thing. That's about it. Like bringing it up and down, don't even ask. So for a moment, I thought about that, and I said, no, 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 I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And then the Lord spoke to my heart while that was going on. He said, Keith, let me ask you a question. Now, I didn't hear it with these ears. I heard it inside me, just like you carry on a conversation. He says, Keith, if you had knowledge of how to fly this aircraft... Would you be afraid right now? I said, no. He goes, why wouldn't you be afraid? Why? Because I have proper knowledge of how to take over this aircraft to land it properly because knowledge will eliminate fear. You see, when we don't have proper knowledge of certain things, then they can make us afraid. Sickness and disease used to make me afraid. Because I had close relatives that passed away. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes past experiences can create future fears. And when I realized from the word of God that I don't have to fear these things, that God's going to take care of me, God's gonna, God is with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When I began to realize that, it eliminated fear from my life. So the reason that some of us sometimes, from time to time, we have problems with fear over certain things is we lack knowledge in certain areas. But the beautiful thing about it is, is we can get knowledge right from the Word of God and get grace and peace or multiply through the knowledge of God's Word and eliminate fear. Are you with me now? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The most radical thing that ever happened to you, ever, is the new birth. Do you know when you were born again, you didn't just get your sins forgiven. You became a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? I used to see back in the 70s, I would watch different, you know, the 700 Club, back then the PTL Club, different things, you know, and you would get people on there, they have these great testimonies, even today. You know, I was a drug dealer, I, I was a wife beater, I did all this kind of stuff, you know, and was on drugs and alcohol, and God delivered me. We're, we don't make light of that. And I thought, well, I really don't have a testimony, at least I thought, until I realized that I was raised from the dead. <laughs> I was raised from the dead. Josh, go over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 for a minute here. I know this isn't in my notes here, but I want to show you something here. When you got born again, you were literally raised from the dead. Now, I'm not talking physically raised from the dead, spiritually raised from the dead. But in Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to see this here. It says, and you, say that's me, and you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, wait a second. Let's stop right there. Before we were born again, our heart was beating in our chest. We could breathe. We could walk around. But you see, when we think of death, we think of cessation of life. We're only thinking of one type of death, physical death. But actually, the Bible says there's three types of death. Right? There's spiritual death, which is separation from God. Amen? And then there's physical death. That's the separation of your soul and your spirit from your physical body. That's where we're most familiar with that. 
then there's eternal death for people that have died without Christ and they're eternally lost. Okay? That's called the second death. But see, because of Adam's transgression, we all tasted spiritual death. In other words, we're walking along, our heart's beating, we're breathing, we're functioning in the natural, but as far as being spiritually alive, we're spiritually dead. All of us were spirits. How many remember what that was like when you were spiritually dead? I, I remember it vividly, okay? Now, I didn't get saved when I was a little kid. I was a teenager. So I had some, I had some times of practicing sin. You know what I'm saying? And spiritual death was a part of me. I didn't know that. But when I got born again, God takes that old sin nature, crucifies it, and gives you a brand new spirit on the inside. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? So at the new birth, you didn't just get your sins forgiven. You literally became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, I heard a true story about a guy that was driving into a town. He was a salesman. And he was going to a new town and had never been there before. Now, this is back before GPS where you just had paper maps. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Just, just paper maps. And so he got frustrated and got into a neighborhood. He wasn't sure where he was. And there was a little kid playing out in the street. In a, in a little side neighborhood. And he stopped the car, wound the window down. He yelled out to the kid. He says, where am I? You know, I guess he was old enough to tell him directions. And that little kid looked at him and he says, right there you are. <laughs> he says, no, no, I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to know where he was so he could know where he's going to go. Amen. Now, how many of you ever been in like in a mall before, maybe for the first time, or a, uh, an outlet, okay? I'm thinking of like the outlet. What's the one that's up north here in um, Grove City? Okay, and I've been up there in a long time. But, you know, if you're going there, you, it's all spread out. You want to find, you know, a certain store. you got to look on the maps. And a lot of times you'll look on those maps, and it'll say you are right here. So you get a perspective. Okay, if I'm right here, then this store is over this way or it's over this way. Are you with me? And, and sometimes we need, to, we need to get a perspective of where we're at so that we can know where we're going. Are you with me? We have to know where we're going. Now go to 2 Corinthians, just a couple of scriptures here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I'll refer to this because of time here this morning, but you remember in the, in the Gospels where, I believe it's Luke chapter 4, where Jesus turned to Isaiah. He was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He got up for to read, and he turned to the book of Isaiah. And he said, the Spirit, of, he quoted what Isaiah was saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, set at liberty them that are bruised, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the scroll and he sat down in the seat. Notice this, this seat in the synagogue that was reserved for the Messiah. <laughs> no one sits in that chair. Now, you know, when I grew up, my mother had her chair. My dad had his chair. We didn't sit in those chairs. <laughs> you understand what I mean? But uh, this, this seat was only reserved for the Messiah. And this is the very first time that Jesus spoke publicly in the synagogue. And the Bible says they were enraged to the point where they wanted to throw him headlong over a cliff. They wanted to literally, you know, like when you people body surf, they wanted to take him and throw him over. The, that cliff is still there to this day. It's, it's there. The synagogue, everything is still there. Okay. Now, why did the people get so angry at Jesus? Why were they so mad? You would have thought, huh, of all the times in history, this is the best time in the world to be here right now. The Messiah has showed up, the man that Isaiah was talking about. The Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. And, and Jesus said this today. This is why they got so mad. They said, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. They should have lifted their hands and, and shouted and got so excited. 
but they got filled with rage and anger. Why? Because Jesus found himself in the scriptures. Was Isaiah talking about himself? No, he was talking about Jesus. 500 years before Jesus became flesh. Jesus got up, opened the scroll, and said, I'm the man that he was talking about. Your day of victory is here. Well, they accepted the good news as bad news. Okay? But Jesus located himself in the scriptures. Amen? John the Baptist did the same thing. Right? They said, who are you? Who do you think you are? He says, oh, I'm the voice of the one. The prophet said, crying in the wilderness, make straight his path, make the way of the Lord. He's quoting a scripture, but he's saying that's, that's what's going on here. He found himself in the scriptures. Now that brings me to this last point here. How do you find yourself in the scriptures? How do you find, instead of looking at the word and say, okay, that's for the guy down the street, that's for the Jews, that's for the nations, well, what about me? Does God have my address? Does he know where I live? Well, yes, he does. Now, there's a couple of phrases I want to familiarize you with this morning that you know when you read these scriptures, it's talking about you. And I'll tell you, the Bible becomes a living book when you start to see yourself in the scriptures. Amen? Now, I use this illustration uh, from time to time, but I remember back in the day, we got this little puppy dog. He was an old English sheepdog. He was a little furball, about this big when we got him, until he grew to like over 100 and almost 130 pounds. He was no longer a little furball. He was huge. Okay? And I remember the first time we put him on a, we put him out in our screen porch, the house that we were renting at the time, and they had, uh, the landlord had taken out and replaced the windows because they were so old. So they kept some of the old windows there, and we used them as dividers so that we had a screened-in porch that we kept the dog outside so he wouldn't come in the kitchen. See what I'm saying? And uh, it was a sunny day like this, and the dog started barking crazily. You know, and we're like, what's he, is there another dog out there? What's going on? And we go out there and look, and he's, we understood all of a sudden he saw his reflection in the mirror, in the glass. And he thought for just a second, there was another dog in his territory. And he's better to tear his head off, you know what I'm saying? Being real territorial, you know? And I guess on his little dog brain, he, saw, he finally realized, that's not another dog, that's me. And he was comfortable with that. Now, I like that illustration. And you've probably heard that before. But, you know, sometimes we look into the Word of God. The Word of God, is, it said it's like a mirror. But it's not a spiritual, it's not a physical mirror. You can't look up and say, well, there's a hair out of place or something, you know. It's a spiritual mirror. When you look into the Bible, it's the mirror of God's Word. It tells you what you look like. But sometimes when you read the Word, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this. You look and think, that's not me. That doesn't feel like it's me. But I'll show you in this scripture here, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. <laughs> therefore. If there's a therefore, find out what it's there for, right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, say in Christ. Okay, now that's a key phrase right there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I just found myself right there. You just found yourself right there. Say, I am, I am. In, Christ. in Christ. I am, I am. A, brand new creature. a brand new creature. Then he goes on to say, old things have passed away and everything has become new. Notice verse 18, and all things are of God. Now, you've got to take this in context with your human spirit. He's talking not everything that happens in the world is of God, but he said, in your spirit, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, the all things that are of God is what's in your spirit now. And like I said, when, when, you, when I was first saved, all I thought was I got my sins forgiven. Now, that's great. That's good. But it's got to be more than that because I'll fill the slate right back up again. 
I had to know, and it wasn't really until a couple of years later that I got into a good church. It wasn't a big church, but it was a good church that taught me who I was in Christ. And I, there's, there's a couple of phrases I want you to get a hold of here. The power of identification. This is, this is the crux of the gospel right here. Say the word in Christ. In Christ. Okay, now that, that shows, that's a preposition that shows relationship with Christ. You are in Christ. When you got born again, you were engrafted in Christ. Amen. Now the best example that I can use, I think even a first grader could understand this, is a mother that's pregnant with child. We're all familiar with that. Some of you have experienced that. I haven't. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But when a mother is carrying a baby, that baby has no choice on where the mother goes. Because if that mother decides to jump on a plane and head south to Florida, <laughs> guess what? That sounds fun right now, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Brother, we're coming back with you. Amen. <laughs> but uh, that, that baby has no choice because the baby's in the mother. Now, if that mother decides to have a Mexican dinner before she takes off on the airplane, guess what? That child is going to have a Mexican dinner broken down, of course, okay? Or Italian food or German food or whatever, just for the sake of argument. So whatever that mother eats, the baby is inside the mother, and that baby will become a partaker of what that mother just ate in a broken down form. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, that, that baby is completely nourished and taken care of by the mother. Think about that. Now, we are not just with Christ, we are in Christ. Do you get it? God is with us, of course he is, but he's on the inside of us. Emmanuel, God with us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's on the inside of us. Therefore, this phrase, you're going to find the word in Christ, in whom, by Christ, through Christ. There's 130 scriptures in the New Testament, okay? There's about 130 scriptures, 128 to 130 scriptures that talk about this word, uses the word in Christ, in whom. Now, if you've got a concordance, you can look these up, okay? Or by Christ, through Christ. These are prepositions that show relationship. In other words, let's just say this pulpit here. I'm standing behind the pulpit. It shows my relationship. Taking you back to English 101, right? I'm behind the pulpit. Or I could say I'm beside the pulpit. Shows my relationship. I'm in front of the pulpit. All right? I'm on top of the pulpit. We won't do that one. But, but point being is this, is that it shows, these are words that show who you are, what you have in Christ right now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, say, that's me. Okay. He is a new creature. Now, the Greek actually says a, a new species of being that never existed before. Brand new creature in Christ. Yay. <laughs> Say wow. wow. Say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> you are, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now again, when you first say that, your mind will be like, all right, so I say that. I don't feel any different. Keep saying it. You keep declaring it. The power of meditation. The Lord told us to meditate on the word of God day and night. You can do that driving your truck. You can do that working out, right? I do it. I try to do it all the time. Just drive, drive down there. Just take a scripture and just meditate on it, feed on it, identify the power of identification. And it says, "If any man be in Christ," and we're talking. What's the name of our title here? Unlimited possibilities. Unlimited possibilities. I remember back in 1982. When I was in Bible school, the movie came out, E.T. <laughs> Remember the, the movie E.T.? How many of you ever saw that movie? It's been, a, it's been a long time, you know? And they used to use this phrase and this caption in the movie, you are not alone. 
you are not alone. They're talking about aliens. You know what I'm saying? Remember that? You are not alone. And I thought, you know, that's true. I'm not alone. God is with me. Glory to God. Now, I'll just kind of throw this out to you right now. Israel had God with them. Israel had God with them. Israel had God with them. Israel had God for them. But here's what they didn't have. God wasn't in them. In the New Testament, we have a better covenant, Hebrews 8, 6, established upon better promises. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And uh, we, are, we, are not, we have God with us, of course. God is for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? But thirdly, we have God in us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And that's why, you know, when we pray, we're not looking out there somewhere. We're looking in because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And I, I, when I pray, I get focused inside me because I'm not focusing on who my wisdom, because mine is so limited. But I, when I listen and I pray, I listen for what He has to say on the inside of me. Now, sometimes you'll go to praying and your mind is saying, you're making a choice, you're making a decision. Your mind is saying, do it. This is a good thing. Do it. This is a good deal. Take it. Do it. But yet, sometimes inside your spirit, your spirit's like, no, don't do it. Don't touch it. I got something better for you. But sometimes we've listened to our head at the expense of our spirits and we've made, whether it was a purchase or an investment or something or some kind of a relationship, you know. But the whole time, the spirit of God inside of us was saying, I have something better for you. See, the primary way, this is another topic here, but it'll tie right in here. The primary way that God leads all of His people is by the inward witness. As many as are led by the Spirit of God in Romans, they are the sons of God. Men and women, children of God, the primary way that you're led by the Spirit of God is by the inward witness or impression. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're praying about something, you're just like, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. They, they said to do this, you know. Yeah. Amen. I've seen this with investments through the years because I've made some mistakes myself through the years, years ago, you know. Spirit of God was said, don't do it. I didn't listen to it. I listened to my head. And I listened to other Christian people. And I went by what other people were doing, even other ministers were doing, instead of listening to my spirit. And I lost some money. Okay? Did I learn my lesson? Yeah. But it cost me some money. This is over 30 years ago. Well, I've learned some things since then. And I've had some people come up to me through the years, the last 10 years or so, and said, Pastor Keith, I've got to talk to you. I want you to get involved in this particular thing. This will be a great blessing to your church. Okay? I remember one gentleman came up to me, you know, and he loved God. There's no question about it. But uh, he wanted me to get involved with this thing with the when I, when Iraq when that whole war was going on there was something with her yeah there was something going on there and uh, I mean he's investing he's getting people involved and he asked me but right away I knew in my spirit don't do it and you know what it, it fell flat on its face well I'm so thankful that I didn't just go by what I could see he was so excited about it, I could see it on his face you know. And he got pretty dis discouraged and dis you know, when that all happened, it came down and nothing, nothing became of it. But see, here's the thing. Don't you know the Holy Spirit knows all things? Yes. He knows all things. He's smart. And if you'll listen to him, he'll make you look intelligent. <laughs> if you listen to the Holy Ghost, he will make you look smart. <laughs> I could use more of that. I don't know about you. But uh, the last scriptures, and we're out of time here, but 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, and we'll close here, praise God. You see, when you come in like you have today with, with, with hungry hearts, open hearts, thirsty, hungry, you pull it out. You pull out the gift of God, and that's the best thing you can do, amen? Draw upon the gift of God. But in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, we're going to see this phrase again here, and I'll stop here. It says, for, for he, 
That's God hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, what? In him. There's that phrase again. In him, in Christ, by him, through him. Preposition. Ooh, glory to God. Now I'm a new, according to verse 17, I'm a new creature in Christ. You are too. Brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. Superhuman. We are in Jesus. See, the true hero is Jesus. But he happens to live inside of us. That makes us superhuman. <laughs> Amen. We're not bragging on ourselves. We're not looking to say, look at what we can do. But we're saying, look at what he has done. He conquered the enemy. He defeated Satan, not for himself, but for you and for me. And sometimes, well, we just got to stand up on all fours, so to speak. We got to say, I'm tired of letting the devil run over my house, mess with my mind with oppression and depression and all this kind of stuff. It's time we rise up and let the greater one come out of us. Are you with me? When all hell's breaking loose in your house and things are happening and things don't look like they're working, it doesn't look like your prayers are working. Who said they're not working? They are working. But the devil's going to throw up a smoke screen. When they cast the devil out of that demon-possessed kid, when Jesus gave the command to come out of that little child that was demon-possessed, that ran in the fire, ran in the water, had a suicidal spirit on him. Remember that? The Bible says the devil tore him. It looked like it got worse but the devil was leaving. And then they thought he died because he fell to the floor and he was like, is he dead? Jesus, it'll all be all right. Give him something to eat. <laughs> Amen? So sometimes when you pray and you use your authority and you use the name of Jesus, it may appear as if it's getting worse. It may seem like what you prayed is the opposite is happening. But let me know, let, let me, uh, no, under no uncertain terms, Holy Spirit is working. When you use the name of Jesus, it's working. When you pray, this Bible, this word of God says right here, his eyes, his, his, uh, he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. He became sin so that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Say, in Christ, I am righteous. Okay. Now, if you ask the average Christian, are you righteous? You say, well, I'm trying to be. Well, you can ask the same question. Are you a man or a woman? Now, nowadays, that's a little different, you know, because <laughs> you got the proper equipment. Just check it out. You'll figure out what you are. Amen? God didn't make you a half woman, half man. Okay? <laughs> Praise God. Whoever thought we'd be dealing with that nowadays, right? Amen. It's sad. It's really sad. But when you're in Christ, you are righteous in Him. Right standing with God. Okay? Now, as I shared before in closing here, the Spirit of God is a teacher. He's the greatest teacher that exists. Do you know that? If you take the Holy Spirit out of this church right now, we're, we're reduced to zero. There's nothing. In my own self, I can do nothing. And I know that. So I've, I've practiced yielding my member, yielding my mind and my heart and my emotions to the Lord because apart from Him, I can do nothing. That's the safest place we can be. Totally yielded, leaning on God, trusting in Him. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say next. But as I, when I prophesy sometimes, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to say, but I, know the prompt, I feel the prompting and the urge just to release it. And here it comes. Here comes the flow. Praise God. Then it brings edification to the believers. I can't wait till we get into this next week. But who you are in Christ will give you unlimited possibilities. God's been talking to me about this myself. Unlimited possibilities. Things that we could never do in ourselves. And you know, to the degree and to the extent that Jesus became sin. He didn't sin. He became sin. He took sin. To the degree and to the extent that he took and became sin, flip it over, is to the same degree and to the same extent that you became righteous in Christ. Now, on this earth, right here, 
December 2nd. Hallelujah. Now what does that mean? That means you have rights, you are 100% righteous in your spirit. Now if you were 99% righteous, you'd split hell wide open. Did you know that? Because there are no unrighteous people going to heaven. You have to be righteous on the earth before you get to heaven. Are you with me? Now that doesn't mean we're perfect people. Understand what I'm saying. But our spirit, the real us, is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost and 100% righteous. That means you have right standing before God. The opposite of that is a guilt complex, condemnation, always feeling guilty, always feeling... See, I know what that's like. Because when I first got saved, I had a heart to serve God. But I, man, I'm telling you what, I, the enemy, I didn't know it was him doing it at the time. He was always knocking me in the head, so to speak, with thoughts. You didn't pray enough. You didn't read enough scripture. You passed up an opportunity to witness to somebody. Has that, has that happened to anybody here before? And I'm starting to feel, oh, you know. And then I began to realize who's behind that? Who's behind that? The devil's behind that. See, God is not up there ready to knock you over if you miss it. That's not our Father. Amen? Let's close and we'll pray right now. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you right now. We bless you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we bless you and we thank you today. Thank you for speaking to us, revealing yourself to us, manifesting yourself to us, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus today, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what I'd like us to do right now? The Lord just put it on my heart to pray for our, our brothers that visited us today. We're here from Florida. Just stretch your hands forward to them right now. Praise God. Father, I thank you for these precious brothers. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their lives. And I thank you for the bright future that you have for them. Super, super bright future. And I thank you for the Holy Ghost and fire that's on the inside of them right now. And Lord, as a congregation, Lord, we receive them. We pray for them right now in Jesus' name for a fresh anointing for their lives. Lord, you know exactly what they're dealing with and what they have to, uh, what they're working with right now back home, Father. We pray for the anointing and the power of God to be so strong with them and the presence of God. I thank you for the gifts and the callings of God that are upon their lives, Father God. Those gifts and those callings are making room for them, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, continually use them for your glory in Jesus' name.